there's definitely a disconnect, I think, between if you own a business and you work at a business where your politics lie and what you think is going to help the community and the economy, if you will. And I think the businesses have to do a better job educating the employees on what these issues and how it will impact where they work. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interest in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate and, if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Political Contessa. I am Jennifer Nassor, and I am your Political Contessa. On this episode, I have with me someone who works in a little bit of a different space than I do, and I normally talk about, but it's important nonetheless, because it, she has to deal with businesses, economic development, and I find that any woman who is in a really cool field who is moving the needle is so worthwhile listening to and hearing from and is inspiring to the rest of us. So today I have on with me, Melissa Federhoff. Melissa is the president and CEO of the Neshoba Valley Chamber of Commerce. Melissa has over 20 years at the Neshoba Valley Chamber. She's worked with hundreds of businesses, legislators, God bless her, and regional leaders to improve the economic vitality of the Neshoba Valley region by focusing on economic development. That's it, economic development, important to all of us, public policy, member services, and other activities that contribute to a vibrant business climate. Now, for you out there that doesn't live in Massachusetts, just so you know, Neshoba Valleys in Massachusetts. And so, Melissa, thank you so much for being on Political Contessa with me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's amazing. So I consistently say, since I was a kid, I am a fiscal conservative. That's the only thing I'm, I'm concerned of is how are you using my money? What is contributing to the economy in the state, in the nation, in my city and town? And so clearly we're coming out of COVID, right? I mean, I can't even imagine what you had to deal with over the past couple of years and what your businesses that are part of the chamber have had to deal with. So let's, let's start from, I guess, let's start from what is your day-to-day -day like? What have you seen since COVID? Are businesses coming out of it? I have so many questions for you. So I'm going to give you the floor. Great. Thank you. So what is my day-to-day -day like? 
I've been here, as you said, for 20 years. And truthfully, every day is a little bit different. Some days it's, you know, a bunch of meetings. Now more meetings on Zoom, which is, we all know, a little bit easier, but also it is definitely better for business when we're meeting face-to-face and we're sharing a cup of coffee. But every day is different out in the community, meeting with the businesses, doing ribbon cuttings, you know, celebrating businesses, celebrating the events that they're having and trying to help them promote that, um, which really is what we, I th- I think that the Neshoba Valley excels at is, you know, helping the businesses spread the word about what they're doing and really working with our, with our town leaders and our businesses in our towns to help build our community. That's one of the things that I've actually heard from our members is that they love the community that we're in and that celebrate. And we do, per what our members have said, a great job, you know, helping them celebrate what a great community that we live in. So we love that. Well, I think that's important. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that I tell candidates all the time or prospective candidates is to be part of your community. I actually did a podcast on that pretty early on talking about how important it is to know your community leaders, to know the businesses, to know the movers and shakers, because regardless of how dense or, you know, how rural your community is, there are those people, right? I mean, there are the people and for hundreds of years, the local, you know, cobbler to the local baker to, um, you know, so, so that is so important to our cities and towns, I think, is having that economic vitality. What do you see as trends right now in your area, if you could kind of predict the future now in this post-COVID era, what are you seeing out there? Definitely businesses are, it feels like we're coming back and and everybody's excited to, you know, um, start doing a lot of the in-person and whatnot. Also a little hesitation anytime that, you know, the COVID, you know, numbers start to increase ever slightly. Um, you know, there are definitely are folks that are nervous still. Not myself. I'm out there and I feel like, you know, I'm a relatively healthy person. I have bigger things to worry about. And and I just got to, for me, I just have to move on and get out there. Um, I understand that, you know, not everybody feels that way, but that's me. Um, but I feel like, you know, businesses, we've definitely through COVID, I know throughout the country, we had a number of businesses that actually thrived, but, you know, we did have some businesses that closed. And the reality is I, I do sometimes look at the businesses that closed and wonder if, was it really COVID or did COVID just force the you know process a little bit faster that they were going to inevitably end up closing or whatnot? So businesses are coming back. I really feel positive about that. Um, of course, and I think this is again across the country, jobs, hiring, that is a huge issue for everybody, it seems right now. It does not matter what industry you seem to be in, um, what your what your salary range is, um, what your benefits are. Everybody's having a hard time, it seems, you know, hiring. So that's the big issue. Yeah, I I mean, no matter where you go, right? It, whether it's a, a store or a restaurant, I feel like everyone is understaffed. So I want to go back to a couple of things. One, the COVID thing. And, and then two, have you heard from business owners why they feel as though people are not applying for jobs or, I mean, because, you know, I, there are lots of jobs around. So what have they said it, they feel like is the reason? 
So we actually did an economic forecast breakfast a couple months ago, and we had some you know leaders in to talk about this. And they deep dived into the statistics from the state and from, we did surveys across the region. And definitely seems like a lot of folks are really working on their own work-life balance and, you know, don't want to do the crazy hours that might be needed at a restaurant or, you know, they've totally, you know, they don't want to be stuck at tied to a desk. And so they are now doing art and, you know, selling, selling their art. And so I've seen a lot of, from this, from the um, economic forecast breakfast, um, what they told us that they're seeing a lot of is just folks changing, completely changing their idea of, you know, what is important to them. So I think that that seems to be the, one of the big things. Yeah, I tried that work-life balance thing for like six <laughs> months during COVID. And I don't know, that didn't seem to work so well. You like, and me both. <laughs> I think a lot of us ended up saying, hey, you know, this is good. Like more time at home with family and more time spending I mean, I, I did, um, not FaceTime, what's the other one? House party with friends and, you know, how, like, I'm going to do more of when I see my friends, I'm able to go out, I'm going to do more enjoying life. And I don't know, like, it's, you know, I, I feel like that's, that never has happened again. And the further and further I get away, I think, oh, I should probably take a moment to really enjoy myself. So I'd love to know who those people are. (laughs) how, How I become one of them. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, And so what, in all seriousness, what then becomes the impact on the businesses? If, if you can't get people to work for you, you know, you see businesses that you go in to get a table someplace. If you don't have a reservation, you just walk in, you can't get a table, even though there are tables open because they don't have the staff or you have to wait that much longer. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, by six o'clock, I want a cocktail and I don't really, you know, I'm standing... (laughs) waiting for a drink and it's taking much longer. Right. So, or, you know, you go into a store, God forbid, like you walk into, you know, any, any store. I mean, I was in home Depot the other day, but any place you go and trying to look around for someone to help you. And it's nearly impossible to find what we had pre COVID. So is it that we all need to get to be more patient or is um, our businesses going to close down are, is this going to, going to change? Like people realize that you can't sell your pottery, um, and make money and be able to live, especially Massachusetts. What we were just ranked the third highest in the country for housing prices. You can't afford to live if you don't have money coming in. So what happens to these businesses? Right. Definitely. So we, one example of this, we actually have some businesses that have adjusted their hours. And so we have an ongoing group that meets and we usually pick a local restaurant and we meet Monday at three. And I just last week sent out an invite, you know, and said, okay, we're going to meet at this restaurant at three. And I don't know why, but I decided to check out their website and verify their hours. And they've changed their hours of operation and they are now closed on Sundays and Mondays. And, you know, it was something that we've had plenty of meetings there before that never even thought of it. And so 
businesses are adjusting their hours. It's costing businesses more because they are trying to bring in, you know, good quality help. And so they're working to increase their pay scale and their benefits. And then, of course, there's the supply issue. And so a lot of supplies are costing a lot more. So I think it's going to also cost us a lot more to go out to restaurants, to go to stores. But it, but it's also important that we continue to do that. And I think you're right in that we do need to have a little bit of patience. I need to think, you know, before I go to a restaurant, I need to make sure that they're open those hours that I'm used to them previously being open, for example. So it's definitely taken an adjustment on all of us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, and you bring up another good point, you know, so it's not just COVID happened and then the slow opening. You have people who are still hesitant, which is amazing to me. You know, you can gather at a barbecue or you could be in whatever you feel is crowded. And then all of a sudden you go into, I saw someone go into the dry cleaner the other day, literally no one in the dry cleaning space. And this one woman walked out with a mask on. I'm like, so the door's open. There's no one in there. <laughs> I'm still so confused, but you do what you need to do to make you, yourself feel safe, even though there's absolutely no statistics that prove that wearing a mask outside is okay. You know, that you're not going whatever, right? I mean, there's no statistics that show that you need to wear that. However, um, I diverge. <laughs> it's like those little things that are pet peeves of mine when I see I'm with people. you. <laughs> like you're just making the owner feel like they have cooties, right? It's agree. <laughs> I mean, at this point we're, we're past it. We know um, there's so much more data and you feel bad for those, those establishments that have been suffering for all this time. But then on top of it, we have, you know, everything going on in Ukraine and Russia causing supposedly, according to um, this presidential administration, that that's causing slowdowns in the supply chain. You have China who's playing games with us consistently. And then you have containers that have taken forever to come onto shore. And so the supply chain issue is hurting these folks as much as anything else. We all know no matter what we get, you know, order online, go into a store. We don't have that in stock. We'll put you on a list. We'll get it to you when we can. Supply chain issues. What are businesses in your area? What can they do to make sure that they have long-standing livelihood, that they're going to be here in the next, everyone has a three to five year plan. Are people looking and saying that they think that this is going to end at some point and get better? Or is the, I guess it's it's the mindset. Are, are folks fearful, businesses fearful of what happens next? Or, and especially so in Massachusetts, just so that way you, you know, as we know, we have our election this year of a new governor, which will impact, I think, the economy a bit, depending on which way it goes. And we just had an election of a new mayor last year in Boston, which I think impacted Boston as a whole, just like other cities around the country. And so I'm interested to, to get into the mindset of business owners. Are they fearful or are they hopeful or are they just holding their breath right now and praying that we come out of this. 
absolutely the ones that I talk to, the ones that are more involved in the community, more involved in the chamber, whatnot, they're hopeful. And, you know, we're we're from New England. We're very resilient. Um, I think we've proven that during COVID. And the and the businesses that are still open after, you know, going through COVID, they're absolutely resilient. And they've rolled with the punches and tried to find new ways to, you know, bring customers in. I think the groups of businesses that we talk to definitely are always thinking outside the box and trying to look for something different or new. And, you know, we had an, and I know they did this, you know, across New England, but you know, a number of restaurants, for example, I know we keep talking about restaurants, but a number of restaurants that during COVID, they bought those igloos so that you could have a small gathering outside. So we have a lot of businesses that have gone, like I said, outside the box, thinking of new ways that they can bring people in, um, bring their customers in and work with their customers. I've had businesses that we will order from promotional products. And so we work with this company and they have been very proactive. I think that's another key is them being proactive with us in planning way ahead for our events because of the supply issues. And so, you know, they are easily six months ahead of when we normally will purchase something, you know, on us, reminding us that we need to start thinking about this and helping us looking and they can look at what supplies they do have available and kind of guide us. So we've had a lot of businesses that are being proactive, positive, and outside the box, trying to trying to make sure that they continue to succeed as we clear out of this. So staying ahead of the game and trying to see, you know, predict what comes in, in you know, down the pike and and into the future. That's great. I think that's yeah. that's amazing. That's really important to be innovative. I'd love to use the old expression. And I remember using this in college and it kind of has stuck with me, but it's like throwing spaghetti against a wall, right? And seeing what sticks. And if it works, just keep it going until it doesn't work anymore and then try something new. So how do proposed tax increases in Massachusetts, we have the proposal of a millionaire's tax, but the decisions of the legislature, how does that impact the business community and how important is it to have relationships with your locally elected officials, whether they be select board, town council, the members of the House and the Senate in Massachusetts? And again, this is no matter where you live, it's it's the same exact idea. Yeah. So about 10 years ago, we actually hired a public policy consultant to really help us help our businesses kind of move the needle with this type of type of thing. You know, politics definitely has never been my area of expertise, I say. We're so fortunate. We have um, folks, I know that you know them, um, Jason Kelpie. Um, we are so fortunate to have him. And then, of course, we hired Matt Keswick of Keswick Consulting. And um, we're so lucky to work with them. And they have helped us really work to educate the businesses. And it's important too, I think, for the businesses to educate their employees. I have seen over my years here, there's definitely a disconnect, I think, between if you own a business and you work at a business where your politics lie and what you think is going to help the community and the economy, if you will. 
And I think the businesses have to do a better job educating the employees on what these issues and how they vote, how it will impact where they work. Because I've done a little bit on the millionaire's tax. I'm certainly not, I wouldn't feel comfortable really speaking a lot about it. But in the long term, it looks like it will affect a lot of small businesses, um, a lot more than people realize. And I think that will, in the long term, it's going to end up hurting a lot of businesses, closing a lot of businesses, and it's not right. It's not fair. So we actually did an internal survey. We do a weekly e-newsletter to all of our membership and, and the community. And we did a survey and we polled people. We actually, in the email, included an a blurb information about the millionaire's tax and actually included examples of how it's going to affect small businesses. And then we surveyed and we said, so what do you think? Should you vote for it or not vote for it? You know, like support it, not. And the majority, even after the examples of how it's going to affect a small business, they are in favor of it. And I'm like, it, my mind was blown when I saw this. It was like, we gave you examples of why it's bad. I don't know. So sometimes I'm at a loss. I, I, my mind is blown. I can't even, it's the most, it is the most regressive tax because it is on its face. The proponents of it have made it look as though, look at us, we're going to screw people who make a million dollars or more a year. But in, in reality, what it's doing is those business owners, those small business owners that we really care about and we need in our communities are the ones that are going to get hurt the most. They're the ones that are paying those low-wage workers too. And so if they can't afford to keep their doors open because they are getting hit by the tax the new tax, then it's a trickle down effect to the lower paid workers. I mean, it's just, it's not the state street, you know, and the fidelities that have to worry about it. It really becomes the, you know, the mom and pop shops, um, which is, is a travesty at the end of the day. So, I mean, hopefully that that doesn't pass, but it's really, it is concerning and wow. Yeah. My mind was blown. It's so concerning. Clearly we need to do more education on this. But the again, the businesses have to educate their employees. And I think that, especially in Massachusetts, we're maybe not as pro-business as I feel like we could be. Um, so sometimes I've heard from the businesses that they don't want to communicate with our legislators because they're not pro-business. And it's like, you still have to communicate with them. You still have to tell them, you know, what your thoughts are on this, why it's bad for your business. And the more, you know, we can, we can do that really, hopefully the better we'll all be, but yeah, we, we need to communicate with our legislators. Yeah. I mean, I can understand it's tough, especially in a blue state. I mean, in, in Massachusetts where we have, I think 36 Republicans out of 200 members in our legislature, um, and probably going to lose more this election cycle, unfortunately. But, you know, when you have numbers that are so low, you have to hope that there are some Democrats who are still pro-business or that can at least understand, even if you're not pro-business, at least have the understanding that losing the local business um, atmosphere, right, and losing that part of the economy is bad for everyone. And so in order to 
maintain safe communities, healthy, vibrant communities. It's necessary to have your downtown, your, your local shops, your, you know, whatever sort of business. I mean, parts of Massachusetts, I, I focus a lot on small business because I, I love small business. I think it's just the lifeblood of all of our communities, but we do have some in, you know, more rural, more suburban parts of the state. We do have some large businesses that come in and whether you like them or not, Western Massachusetts is now going to be pilfered after Smith and Wesson leave, right? That, you know, it's the, it's the stuff like that. Those businesses are there. They employ people in the community, the people in the community utilize services in the community. They are the tax base of the community. And when the business leaves, where the business shuts down, then those jobs go away. Those people are unemployed or they follow the job. And that could be following them out of the state. So that is the thing that that's the importance of having that relationship with your legislators because they need to understand that, and I and I love making this point because people forget this, but elected officials get paid by taxpayer dollars. So if the taxpayers leave, <laughs> then right. there's no money to pay them. Right. And then ultimately they're going to be out of a job because they're making good salaries off of our tax dollars. And so it's a very important relationship, a very important symbiotic relationship to have. And even if that person doesn't think the way you think, it is very important for the community to have a say, especially since a lot of the folks, I'm sure you see this, live and work in the same region, you know, and so they're they're not living too far away from where they're working. Right. Yeah. And, and you were bringing up about large businesses, you know, large businesses are equally important too. Be, like you pointed out, you know, they, a lot of the large businesses, they might do a lot more behind the scenes, but they are very supportive of the communities as well. And they are in promoting to their, you know, I know that I will say for the Neshoba Valley, you know, like we have Bristol Myers Squibb, one of the largest employers, our local hospitals, one of the largest employers, and they're hiring local they're shopping local. And so it is, it's very important that we have these relationships, have the relationships and the conversations with our legislators and our town leaders about what's important to us. Melissa, this is so a, as a Republican, right? I, I consistently get aggravated by the media's portrayal of women as being stupid, single issue voters, which generally is, single issue on a social issue. And so what's so meaningful about this conversation with you is I believe that women are much smarter than the Democratic Party and mainstream media gives us credit for. And so you're not political. I am. But, but you do something that I talk about on a constant basis. Like I started this saying, I am a fiscal conservative. And so the social issues to me are just those hot button issues. It is how you were raised. It's your faith. It's your, your, who you surround yourself with. But at the end of the day, for me, at least I'm a single mother raising my children, paying a mortgage, paying car payment, putting gas in my car, putting food on the table. And I would like to think that women are much more savvy than just getting sucked down the electoral road that has been paved for us by the left and believe that we have to have conversations about the economy because that is something that 
actually affects us. And whether you have children or you're just taking care of your parents, you're taking care of an elderly family member, whatever it is, you're probably paying rent. You're paying attention to your food bill. You're paying attention to your gas. You're paying attention to healthcare costs. And when you see that everything is soaring, it becomes very difficult to navigate and you care less and less about what other people are telling you to to vote on. And so I think this conversation is so powerful and so important because one, I love that you're a woman in this world, you know, and heading up a local chamber and dealing with all these businesses, but you really understand the main streets and the importance of a vibrant economic community. And I think that for all of us to take the political issue off the table and to be a great equalizer is making sure that we have vibrant communities. Because regardless of what community you live in, if we have a vibrant business community, it means jobs, it means more public safety, it means more tax revenue to that community. And that is really, really important. So thank you. Thank you so much for doing what you do. Thank you for being so inspiring and taking a lead. And, and thank you for being on with me. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. I love what I do at the chamber. Again, I've been doing it for 20 years. I love the people that we work with and the people that I meet. And and I love my community. I was born and raised here. So um, it makes it easy to love what I do and the people that we work with. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Melissa Fetterhoff, president and CEO of the Neshoba Valley Chamber of Commerce. Thank you for being on Political Contessa. And I hope to have you on again soon. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. 